0: Today's topic affects every one of us. It may be trite to say it, but tomorrow we will all be a day older than we are today. A day closer to perhaps needing high-quality palliative care. Care which is so important, not only for those receiving the care, but for those watching the end of life unfold for someone they care about. Virtually everyone in this room has a friend or loved one who has required palliative care. The issue before us and before our federal and provincial governments, as they begin to frame a new health care accord, is that palliative care is expensive, and most of the cost is not covered by our uh, publicly funded health care system. As our population ages, and we have all seen the data on the growing cohort of Canadians in their senior years, the issue of palliative care, its availability and cost, will become one of the major health care issues in this country. Our guest speaker today has at least a partial, if not total, solution to the issue. It comes in the form of challenging corporate Canada to support palliative care by providing compassionate care benefits for all, uh, for employees. Employees who are involved in arranging and delivering palliative care Those closest to them. Paul Lucas has spent almost his entire adult life in the healthcare field. He's been the president of GlaxoSmithKline for the past 11 years, one of the leading research intensive pharmaceutical companies in the world. During his tenure, GSK has become one of the top 15 investors in research and development in Canada and a leader in charitable giving. In addition, And it is relevant to what we will hear today. Paul is a member of the Canadian Hospice Palliative Care Association's Champions Council. Mr. Lucas, we look forward to your remarks. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome him to the podium.
1: Well, good afternoon, everybody, and thank you very much, Nick, for that introduction. And uh, one of the things that Nick didn't tell you was that I started my career as a sales representative in the pharmaceutical industry. And to this day, I'm still a sales representative at heart. So I'm actually here to sell you something today. And it's the compassionate care benefit that Nick mentioned. So I look forward to talking about that. Uh, It's great to be here today thanks to the Canadian Club as well and uh, to have the opportunity to speak about a subject that I don't normally speak about and that you probably don't normally hear about uh, to an audience as well that I don't usually speak to. It's a very different mix for me so I've been looking forward to this to talk about an issue that uh, I'm very passionate about. So I'm here wearing two hats. One is that of a corporate CEO and one is as a member of the Champions Council of the Canadian Hospice Palliative Care Association. And my subject is one uh, that each of you will likely deal with at some point in your life, and that's caring for and supporting someone you love during the process of dying. So not a very uplifting subject for today, and I remember the song that talked about rainy days and Mondays always get me down. Well, it's a rainy day, and it's Monday, and I'm going to talk about this subject. So <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to try and make it interesting for you. But maybe before I start, I can get a feel for the audience and see uh, how many of you have had the unfortunate experience of having to deal with a, a dying uh, friend or relative that you've had to take care of. Maybe, maybe I could just have a show of hands. So quite a number of you in the audience today. So uh, hopefully this will ring a few bells and hit a few notes for you. Well, it's a difficult subject for anyone to think about. And most people, frankly, would rather think about filing an income tax return than about their own death or the death of a loved one. So why have I chosen a business audience to talk about this difficult subject, and one that at first glance seems so far removed from the world of work? Well I have because I'm convinced that employers have a key role to play in improving the end of life experience. I'm also convinced that this is an area where sound business practice and doing the right thing are actually one and the same. And that's why I'm here with you today. So let me start first of all with some pretty dry statistics that underscore why it is time to discuss this issue openly. Canada's population as we all know is graying as more and more baby boomers enter their senior years. Today around 259,000 Canadians die annually. Within 15 years that number will increase by 40% to 330,000 deaths per year. Within 25 years it's going to increase by 65% to 425,000 deaths per year. So there's nothing really troubling about those numbers. Let's face it, people die. Until you consider how prepared we are as a society to care for people at the end of their lives. Almost four out of five people over age 65 have a chronic disease, and about 70% have two or more chronic conditions that also need to be managed. Furthermore, it's Canadian families that frequently shoulder 25% of the total cost of palliative care costs associated with home-based services such as nursing and personal care. Bluntly stated, Canadian society is not well prepared for end-of-life care. And since many more of us are going to be involved as lead actors or in supporting roles over the next generation, we can no longer avoid the subject. In fact, we need to fuel a national discussion about it. And given the two hats that I mentioned earlier, I have somewhat of a head start in thinking about it. I run an organization with close to 3,000 employees and at any given time some of them will likely be involved in caring for a dying spouse, father or mother, sister or brother, son or daughter, or dear friend. And the experience will be typically all-consuming, exhausting, and emotionally draining. Work will be the last things on their minds. And if they think of the workplace at all, it will be either as a support or as a source of additional stress. Organizations, as we all know, are nothing without their people. And as CEO, one of my priorities is to make sure GSK plays a supportive role to our most important resource. We need to be there for our employees at a time when they may feel helpless, isolated and overwhelmed, and when honestly, work should be the last thing on their minds. Then there's my work with the Canadian Hospice Palliative Care Association, and how I came to be involved with this particular cause. Shortly after I became CEO in 1994, I was examining our charitable commitments, and it occurred to me that we could do better as a company we could try to make a real difference for a cause that needed real help and that was important to our country and to our employees. We took the challenge to our people in a vote and they actually chose hospice and palliative care as our primary cause. And we proceeded to invest a substantial portion of our foundation giving to the cause and we've been involved ever since that time. And I wanted to get involved personally My own experience with end-of-life care is far from unique, and virtually everyone here will have their own stories to tell. My most recent experience with death and dying only reinforced for me the real need there is for quality end-of-life care in Canada. My mother-in-law passed away this spring. She died at the age of 96, never spent a day in hospital until the last two weeks of her life. Unfortunately, that hospital was an acute care hospital, because there wasn't any palliative care facility in her community. And the experience, unfortunately, again, for her and her family was not a good one. And I don't want to go into the detail, but the bottom line is, she did not die with dignity. Because of the way she was treated, and the staff's lack of compassion for a dying person, keeping in mind that it was an acute care hospital. And that was very, very painful for the whole family, as you can imagine. And many of you have experienced that, I'm sure. Despite the universality of these experiences and the pressing need for better palliative and hospice care, there are some major cultural barriers standing in the way. Palliative care is all about providing quality of life to those suffering terminal illness. But that is not how most people see it. Instead, they associate it with giving up. Attitudes towards death and dying emerge from one's cultural background, religion, and upbringing. In Chinese society, for example, there is a belief that even talking about death is bad luck. Some African countries handle dying and bereavement very well because it's better integrated into day-to-day life, takes place at home, and is a shared experience by the community and among caregivers. On the other hand, some Western nations, such as Canada and the United States, have medicalized death, removing it from the stream of everyday life, and thereby making it more mysterious and something to be feared. So cultural barriers loom large in a multicultural society like Canada, but they're far from insurmountable. Palliative care is not a surrender to death, and dying is not a taboo subject. And yes, I do believe that the workplace can be a highly effective forum for challenging cultural barriers around death and for creating a climate of open dialogue and support for those dealing with end-of-life issues. We can change the narrative for ourselves and for our loved ones and end the story on a much better note. Let me spend a few moments on the experience of dying today. First and foremost, it's typically a family affair. Former US First Lady Rosalind Carter once said, there are only four kinds of people in this world, those who have been caregivers, those who who currently are caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers. Each death will affect, on average, the well-being of five other people, family and loved ones and that's more than 1.25 million Canadians this year and more than two million Canadians in 2036. Decades ago, death came more quickly and most of us died at home. Today life is being prolonged and life-threatening conditions managed. More Canadians are dying in an advanced age. More than 75 percent of deaths are among those 65 and older. Finally, more people now die in hospital despite the fact that most would prefer to die at home. So how does Canada rank today against other countries in terms of the end-of-life experience? The Economist magazine and the Lean Foundation compared 30 OECD countries and 10 other selected countries last year in a report called the Quality of Death ranking end-of-life care across the world. The study looked at key indicators, including the overall healthcare environment for end-of-life care, the availability, cost, and quality of care, and the existence of a government-led national palliative care strategy. Canada tied with the U.S. in ninth place overall. This ranking, I think we can all agree, is less than stellar. And improving it will not be easy, but it is critical. And that's because the need for end-of-life care is not simply a health issue. It's a complex social issue an economic issue that affects individuals, communities, and the workplace. At at present, Hospice Palliative Care in Canada is a range of services offered through acute care hospitals, long-term care facilities, residential hospices, and in the home. The level and type of care needed varies based on the needs of the patient and family, the patient's medical condition, and rate of decline, and finally, the setting of care. Despite the tremendous work of the Canadian Hospice Palliative Care Association and its provincial affiliates, and the generous support these organizations receive from government and the private sector, we still have a long way to go. Fewer than 35% of Canadians have access to palliative care services due to issues of funding, access, and late referrals. And As I mentioned earlier, families frequently shoulder a quarter of the total cost of palliative care. Now add in the fact that about 70% of those past retirement age have two or more chronic conditions that also need to be managed. As life expectancy continues to rise, so too will the need to manage these chronic conditions. Yes, we all need to be concerned about our ability as a nation to provide high quality end end of life care to more people. But let's not forget that families of patients also need help navigating a troubled system to ensure that their loved ones are getting the care they need. They need help coping with grief and they need support that removes some of the stresses and worries that pile on at the worst time in their lives. This is where corporate Canada can play a role and one of the most effective ways we can do our part is through the compassionate care benefit. At GSK, we define the compassionate care benefit as a leave from work so that employees can provide care and support to to an immediate family member in cases of critical or terminal illness or other extraordinary circumstances. The benefit provides for up to 13 weeks leave over a two-year period. For employees with at least three years of service, they receive 13 weeks pay at full salary. GSK's Compassionate Care Benefit, introduced back in 2002, was groundbreaking. So much so that it caught the the attention of the Government of Canada. Two years later, the Canadian government established its own program based on our lead. Today, Canadians who need a leave of absence from work to care for a gravely ill family member can receive up to six weeks of employment insurance benefits under the federal Compassionate Care Program. Allow me to quote from the government website the government of Canada believes that during such times you should not have to choose between keeping your job and caring for your family I couldn't have said it better and all of us at GSK are very proud to have provided the foundation and catalyst for a program that is available to help every working Canadian cope with one of life's most difficult crises in order to give you a sense of the impact this benefit can have, let me tell you the story of the first GSK employee to use it. And I've changed his name in order to protect his privacy, but I want to assure you that this is a very real person in a very real case. John used the compassionate care benefit in May 2002, following his mother's diagnosis of terminal stomach cancer. Her illness progressed rapidly, But the benefit allowed John to be with her for the final two months of her life. His mom was 67 at the time and his dad was 69. Due to the shock of the terminal illness, it was hard for them to process all the information they were being given. With the leave of absence, John was able to accompany his father to doctor appointments to ask questions and clarify his his mother's pain medication program. Most importantly, John's presence allowed his mom to do some of the simple things in life, like visit the hair salon to get her hair done. Near the end of her life, he was carrying her up and down the stairs as she was just too weak. John describes this time with his mother as a gift from the company. He contrasts his experience with that of his brother, whose workplace would not give him any unpaid time off forcing him to use his vacation time. The lack of support left his brother feeling troubled and disconnected, and shortly after his mother's passing, he quit the organization. On the other hand, John moved on within GSK onto global roles outside of Canada, and I'm gonna come back to him. His story, and others like it, makes a powerful case for providing this benefit to your employees. Both brothers faced the swiftly impending, untimely death of their mother from cancer, a family crisis that one has to live through to fully appreciate the impact. And at a time when all of their thoughts and energy were focused on the family, one brother received compassion, support, and empowerment from his workplace. The other received essentially nothing. One brother's relationship with his employer was immeasurably strengthened. The other's was broken beyond repair. Now I know that championing change can be difficult and that all benefits, no matter how powerful their impact, come with business implications and costs. So let's spend a a minute looking at these aspects of the compassionate care benefit. You might be thinking, My organization is just too large and our benefits programs are too entrenched for a change like this. I want to tell you that my own company is about as large and complex as they come. GSK is a global enterprise with over 100,000 employees in over 100 countries globally. The human resources and benefits policies of our Canadian operations are closely tied to global initiatives, budgets and priorities. In short though, if we could get it done, so can you. You might also be thinking, my organization can't afford this type of benefit. Cost was one of the major factors we looked at when we introduced it. Our conclusion was that depending on how it is designed, it shouldn't cost more than a sick leave program. And finally, you might be thinking, my company is just too small for this kind of program. We don't have the people, the resources, or the money to offer it. The reality is that almost half of the Canadian workforce is employed by companies with less than 100 employees. And I recognize that extending this benefit to them is a difficult challenge. And I certainly don't have the ultimate solution. But I do know that we need to work to find one. The 5 million people who work in small businesses are just as entitled to compassion and support in their time of need as anyone else. Fortunately, the federal government employment insurance plan has been accepted by all provinces and offers all employees six paid weeks of compassionate leave. Nine provinces have also amended their labor codes to protect the caregivers' jobs, Alberta being the one that hasn't amended its labor code so far. Well, this is a great start. Without wading into the thick of a complex issue, let me just say that any move by government to extend job protection would be very welcome. Another key step would be an ongoing publicity effort to ensure that every employee of a small business is aware of their rights and their employer's obligations with respect to compassionate leave. Implementation logistics and costs are important issues to manage, but they're still only part of the picture, and I challenge us all to think beyond them. We need to think about the stability and peace of mind that a compassionate care benefit brings to the employee during a time of great stress and upheaval. We need to consider all the positive spin-offs for the organization. With the certainty and predictability of this program, it's easier to plan a smooth transition for customers, partners and other team members during the leave of absence. The reduction in stress will have a positive impact on productivity for the employee when he or she returns and for their team during their absence. The program fosters greater employee pride and engagement and enhanced corporate reputation. Every time the compassionate care benefit is used, an employee ambassador for the organization is born. All these powerful organizational benefits must be factored in when considering such a program for your company. And then there's a benefit that won't show up on any profit and loss statement. And I can only describe this from a personal perspective. Since the inception of the compassionate care benefit at GSK Canada, we've supported 137 employees like John through some of the most devastating periods of their lives. It's hard to express the emotion that comes with knowing you helped someone through their darkest days. And let's just say you can't put a price on that. Business leadership is about engaging the hearts and minds of your employees to encourage loyalty, commitment, and productivity. During a harrowing time in which the employee is typically distraught and emotionally vulnerable, their memory will be seared with the events. Give them the time and space to engage completely on the task at hand, which is caring for their loved ones. And they will never forget this compassionate act. John has not forgotten. Since his mother's death, he has become an advocate of hospice care. While working with us in Romania, he led a committee whose goal it is to build Romania's first hospice facility. And so far, he has helped raise 2.5 million euros to make that happen. That's a powerful legacy to emerge from from a family tragedy. And a company's response to that tragedy. Modern medicine has made great strides in helping us live longer and healthier lives. A child born in Canada today can expect to live to be over 80 years old. People who are now 65 can expect to live another 18 to 21 years. Medical advances have also helped create the so-called sandwich generation, the large cohort of middle-aged Canadians who are caring for both their children and their aging parents. Several Canadian corporations have policies in place to support employees with parental care responsibilities. And to my mind, the compassionate care benefit is a logical extension of that support. Well, eventually, death comes knocking at everyone's door. With our aging population, an ever-increasing number of Canadian households will be hearing that knock over the next few decades. And the families of those needing end-of-life care will be stretched to the limit, emotionally and physically. The question is, what can corporate Canada do to help ensure that financial and work-related worries are not layered on at the worst possible moment for their employees? We need to be concerned about our ability as a nation to provide high-quality end-of-life care to more people. A ninth place showing on a global quality of death survey is not a point of pride for Canada. It's a wake-up call. Moving up the global rankings is not going to be easy. It will require a comprehensive systems-based approach accompanied by sweeping policy changes by government, the healthcare system, the business community, and other institutions. However, we can make a good start and we can make it today. Through the compassionate care benefit, companies can play a leadership role in helping employees and their families in a very meaningful way. Through our leadership, Canadian business can help break down some of the cultural barriers and taboos around dying that I spoke about earlier. We can support employees, drive engagement and productivity, and contribute to creating a sustainable health care system. From a human perspective, Lending a hand to those who need it most is simply the right thing to do. And when companies do the right thing, they contribute to their own success and they deepen that reservoir of goodwill that allows allows all businesses to operate in society. GSK supports policy development that positively impacts the social and economic health of Canadians. And we are proud to offer the compassionate care benefit to support the health and well-being of our employees. But my goal here today is not to shed light on GSK's efforts to support our people and improve palliative care in Canada. It's to encourage you to think about how you can champion this type of program in your own workplace. And I hope that I provided you with the beginning of a strong business case for a compassionate care benefit in your business. But I know that when you get back to your desk, you'll need more than a speech to start the ball rolling. So if you need help building your case, please get in touch with me. GSK would be pleased to share our experience and insights with you, your CEO, your HR department, or anyone else interested in the compassionate care benefit. And also, uh, you've been provided with some background and resources at your table related to caregiving issues at the end of life, and I hope you find them valuable. As business people, we have an important opportunity here to impact people's lives in a truly meaningful way. I urge you all to seize it. Thank you very much.
2: My name is Chris Mann, the Director of Government Affairs for the Institute of Chartered Accountants of Ontario and a member of the board of the Canadian Club. On behalf of the Canadian Club of Toronto, Mr. Lucas, I'd like to thank you for your corporate challenge today, which you have put forward. Your dedication to the cause of improving the accessibility and quality of palliative care in Canada is an example for all of us to follow. It's often said we are not getting any younger, and in the case of the baby boomer generation, a lot of them are not getting younger. Our daily lives are touched by the needs of our growing seniors' population. As you have so pointedly put it, this is a reality that impacts not only their lives, but also ours, those of our children. It also impacts our working lives. Many of us are or have been in the situation of dealing with children still in school at one end of the spectrum and aging and infirm parents at the other end managing everything from ensuring our parents get the proper medical care and diagnosis to ensuring they have the proper accommodations and ongoing care. The solution you have presented today in your challenge to corporate Canada would go a long way to relieving the worry that those families deal with on a daily basis. Thank you for engaging us in this dialogue and for laying forward that challenge. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Chris, and thank you, Paul. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We're grateful to Rogers TV and to 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian Club events. To learn more about the Canadian Club and our upcoming events, please visit us at canadianclub.org. Thanks to all of you for joining us. This meeting is now adjourned.